0: Jessica's going to talk about potential pitfalls in the university EA community building. Jessica graduated from Yale in 2021 with a BS in cognitive science. There, she helped organize Yale EA for over four years, including a gap semester where she organized full-time. She started volunteering with CEA in 2018 and started working full-time for them in December 2021 on increasing broad support for university groups. She created and scaled the University Group Accelerator program, which has helped around 75 groups, and she is now leading the UniGroups team at CEA and setting the strategy and plans for the coming year. Um, if you have any questions for Jessica during this talk, please submit them via the SwapCard app uh, rather than shouting them out, and I will select a mixture of prepared questions and audience questions to ask her. Um, about half the time will be for questions. Take it away, Jessica.
1: Thank you. I think that community building at universities can be incredibly impactful. But I also think that there are some important pitfalls that could potentially make this work net negative, or at least leave a lot of impact on the table. I think that these default modes can turn off really talented people that we want in the EA community, and it's really hard to tell whether you're falling into one of these default modes. I'll start with a quick anecdote. Silly simple scenario. So here we have Zealous Zach. Zealous Zack, very much like me, learns about EA and says, oh my gosh, this is also obvious. Like, why is not everyone doing this? This is really important, like, really smart people think so, and everyone should be working on it. So Zealous Zack goes to university and decides to start an EA group where he is planning on convincing people to use their careers to work on AI causes. At his university group, he meets skeptical Serena. Skeptical Serena hears this salesy pitch and thinks, this feels salesy. Why is he trying to convince me of this? Seems sus. This is a silly example but I hope to go into a little more in depth of different examples throughout this talk. I'll go over some key takeaways I hope to get through, why I do think that community building at universities can be quite impactful, some default modes that I think you should look out for, as well as correction strategies, a north star vision, and in classic EA fashion, why I could be wrong about all of this. I'll also flag that, uh, while I think the things that I'm saying are fairly commonly believed. I'm definitely not trying to speak on behalf of CEI, and I definitely didn't get enough people to check it over to do that. (laughs) So these are my beliefs, uh, and these are my takes right now. Awesome. So I'm a bit unsure about effect sizes, but my guess is that right now, we have been too encouraging of students doing university community building And I think that for a lot of students, it feels like this is the default option of how they should be involved in EA when they go to university I think that I'm part of the reason for this So I thought it would be useful to give this talk to kind of clarify where I stand on this being very excited about it, but Very aware that there are some risks and concerns to go along with it. I won't have time to even scratch the surface here there are a lot of considerations and a lot of these claims are resting on assumptions Etc. Um, I'm also unsure about a lot of things, so that's why this talk is like only 25 to 30 minutes, and then the rest of the time is Q&A. Or hopefully, we can dive into the meteor problem. Um, cool. So some key takeaways: I really want university groups to be humble, genuinely earnest, truth-seeking communities. But I think that there are default pitfalls, such as being overly zealous, overly open, or overly exclusionary, that can put off the types of talent that we want. I think that these downsides are often hidden from us. But I am still excited about university groups. So really quickly, target audience for this, I think best is like university community builders or people interested in it, or people who are advising them. But I do think that a lot of these things generalize to other types of community building, like city and national groups, or et cetera. Um, Also, most of this is entirely unoriginal. So if you've been in the space a while, you've probably heard some of these takes before. Um, So feel free to leave if it's not useful for you, or feel free to come back just for the 30 minutes at the end, where we might be able to dive into the audience questions a bit more. So before, uh, jumping into the pitfalls, a situation I don't want is for you all to leave this room and be very pessimistic about community building at universities and think it isn't important. Obviously, I don't think this is true, or else I would not have this job, (laughs) I wouldn't be doing it. I do think that community building at universities can be quite high leverage. And in particular, I think that university groups are useful and that they help talented people go on into effective careers. We think that university groups can be really high leverage in particular because university students are at a time where they're really thinking about their priorities in life and how they wanna make a change in the world. They're making lifelong friendships and they have a lot of flexibility that people at other stages in their life have less of. Additionally, there is some empirical evidence here. Uh, So a few years ago, the long-termist movement building team at OpenPhil ran a survey of people working on projects that they are excited about, and found that a significant portion of those people attributed a lot of value to university groups that they were a part of. Due to various methodological reasons, you may want to upweight this or downweight this, but I do think this is a pretty scarcely dataed area, so this is a useful data point of the usefulness in EA so far. Awesome. jumping into why I think this could be bad. Overall, I think that these pitfalls can put off really great people and have effects on the culture of the movement. I do wanna quickly flag that there are some other types of pitfalls that are involved in any types of community building that are extremely important, especially around community health type things. I think that things like harassment and discrimination are incredibly important for us to be thinking about, deserve a talk all of their own, but I won't be covering them today. Uh, instead, I want to focus on these sort of default modes that I just see like all the time. Um, awesome. And then while I don't think that anecdotes are the most rigorous way of making claims, I do think they're quite memorable, especially if you just watch a talk and you're thinking about it later. So I'm gonna go through a few anecdotes. Nice. So remember skeptical Serena and Zach. The original scenario was a bit exaggerated. But to be honest, like not that different from when I started community building, so eh. so here's another example of a situation where I see this happen quite often. Skeptical Serena is asking questions like, "Can we actually predict the downstream consequences of our actions in the long run? Like, doesn't that make these RCTs just not useful?" Zelizak. So, This is a good point, but even 20-year reflection studies show that this is working and effective. There's a lot of research that goes into it. But you can't possibly measure all the effects. But Zelisak is already talking to somebody else. Skeptical Serena feels like, he isn't seriously engaging with my arguments, and I don't really want to be here. I think that this is capturing an idea that's like quite common. When you first learn about EA, you're quite excited about the ideas, and you want people to be doing this stuff. And so it's tempting to be quite salesy. But the thing with salesiness is it really contradicts truth-seekingness, which I think is a really important part of EA, an important part of EA communities. I think that salesiness in particular puts off people who are more truth-seeking, like skeptical Serena. There are some additional effects that happen here. So not only do we have Zach who's leading the group, now the group is full of people like agreeable Allens or easily persuadable Ellies. The entire group is selected against for the people who are really skeptically engaging with these problems, instead the people who are enthusiastic. I think that the epistemic norms of the organizer is really important for the epistemic norms of the community as a whole. Additionally, I think that first impressions really matter. And you might not be the one making those first impressions. So that might be the members of your group. So if you have a group of these easily persuadable Ellies, et cetera, uh, the first impressions that you're making on people like Skeptical Serena could be quite inoculating to good arguments later down the line. And I think if you don't intentionally try to create an environment for people to poke holes in arguments, you're going to end up in one that isn't making progress on the problems we really care about. I have another example, which is overly open Otis. This is something I see a lot of groups do. It's really tempting to trying and expand what EA is to make it more appealing to different types of people or to retain people who don't really believe the core principles of EA, such as impartiality or cause neutrality. So just a little example here. We have Otis up here. And we have a group member who says, I was personally affected by X, so I think we should prioritize it. I think our group should spend some time looking at how to be effective working on X. And Otis responds, yeah, it's important to work on things that you care about. And after all, people in EA disagree about lots of things, so we can spend time on this. I think this has a couple problems. One is that your time as an organizer is extremely limited. You know this if you're an organizer. So being really careful about what you're spending your time on could mean the difference between orders of magnitude more impact between causes. And also, I think it's more authentically what EI is to be cause neutral and impartial about it. I think that's what makes EI really exciting. So not only are you leaving impact on the table by not focusing on the right things, you're also giving the impression that is mistaken, where people like skeptical Serena thinks, hmm, are they actually working on the most important things? So I think that this Culture and fidelity should be a really important part of what you're thinking about as a group organizer. And even though I claim that you should not be trying to explicitly represent EI, it's really hard to not implicitly represent EI in what you're focusing on. I think that part of what makes EI so great is people being really skeptical and challenging and optimizing things. And if you don't optimize for that in your group, you won't have it. The last example anecdote is one that I think is actually a bit less common. Uh, it's more common in reaction to these other two or if someone's just like particularly bought into an idea quite early on, and this is exclusionary Enid. So just to give an example here, we have Enid who's giving a talk on existential risks. She says, and this is why we prioritize existential risks. A member over here says, well, I'm interested in working on Global, uh, global great power conflict. Enid responds, "Well, <laughs> nuclear risk is unlikely to actually kill everyone, so it isn't that important," and is pretty dismissive to the argument. And while I think that the like investigating whether, you know, 99% of people dying versus 100% of people dying is incredibly important for implications of what we should be doing. I think there's ways of approaching these conversations and who is in your group um, that are better or worse. And sometimes you're putting off people who are actually thinking about these things quite carefully by easily dismissing them. My personal take here is that we want people who are open-minded and are able to point at the particular things where they think they might be wrong, and we want people to be given a chance Additionally, what you then end up with is a group of people who all have similar beliefs and aren't really diving into where their uncertainties are. I think that this can be quite off-putting as a first impression. And I think that there is a way of focusing on the most important things and what EA really is without being dismissive or exclusionary. I'll also flag some others like noob Nora, who doesn't know what she's talking about. I think this is actually just really common. Like, EA is really hard. When I started EA, I was like, people keep telling me to learn more about EA. You just donate to the most cost-effective charities, man. Like, I know what I'm doing. Then I started learning more and more and questions that have really big implications and was able to engage with conversations in more compelling ways, which I think made me a much better community builder and made people take me more seriously. There's a lot of different things, creepy salines or disorganized deans. The list could go on. But something that makes these particularly insidious is that they are pretty hidden, and it's really hard to tell whether you're in one. We don't like to think that we personally are being overly exclusionary or overly zealous. These are oftentimes default paths where if you're not paying attention to externalities, you can just keep on in them. Because after all, if you put someone off, the most likely thing for them to do is disappear they're not going to show up in your community survey or sign up for a one-on-one with you. Additionally, optimizing for things like numbers can give you a false sense of security in what you're doing as being right, where things like numbers are much easier as metrics to optimize for than things like cultural norms of your group. Cool. So I want to take just a moment right now to have you guys check If you are a group organizer or a community builder, I want you to think about which one of these things are you most likely falling into right now. If you're not in that position, you can think about if you were, what is the one you think you'd most likely be in. I also want to prompt that you're probably doing one of these things. So if you think you're not, you should really interrogate that. So I'm gonna ask some questions so you can think about it, and then I'll let you talk to the person next to you for like Just one minute each about which one you think you're most likely falling into. So some questions that you might ask are, what are the metrics that you're using as a group? Are you optimizing for numbers? Maybe you're being overly zealous. Where does most of the value come from in your group? Is that where you're spending your time and energy? If not, maybe you're being overly open. Does everyone in your group believe the same thing? Can you think of times where you dismiss skepticism really quickly? Maybe you've done this at this conference. You might be being overly exclusionary. So it can take just like 30 seconds right now, and then turn to the person next to you and chat a little bit about this. I guess to lower the barrier, when I did this myself, I think I've been a bit overly exclusionary lately, and I'm working on improving that. So give you guys some time. We're gonna take about 30 more seconds, so we're wrapping up our conversations. wrapping up our conversations I want these conversations to continue after after this talk too. Um, I'd be happy to like in my office hours after really like work on this I think something to also be aware of is you could be doing all of these things but in different situations maybe this is something you guys were talking about <laughs> um, and I've definitely done all of these myself so what do you do about this I think this is hard. I think something that can help is really trying to map out your theory of change as a group. What is the thing that you're really trying to do and create? And are your actions leading to that? I think discussing this with mentors or other experienced organizers, I'm also happy to do back and forth at the office hours or later in this conference, can be useful for interrogating this. Additionally, something I just really want more organizers to be doing is paying attention to what they think the possible risks or failure modes are. I really just think this should be an automatic part of planning when you're in a group, and paying attention in particular to externalities that might not be as visible. If you're very new, maybe you should take time to learn some more first, or start small with your group. I think there's lots of things that students should be doing, like scaling up and building aptitudes that are really important for the movement that aren't community building. And we also have some advice uh, on the forum. There's a post of advice that the CEA Unigroup's team gives to Unigroup organizers, as well as the Resource Center. Cool. So you've heard a lot of like bad things that can happen. So I'll paint a little bit of a picture of a North Star group that I think would be great to see. I think there are lots of different versions of this, but this is where I'm at right now. So a group that I'd be really excited about is one where there's a core group of organizers who really get along with each other because they kind of have to spend a lot of time together and it's nice to vibe well. These people are each knowledgeable in at least one of the main areas that get talked about in EA. So that way, when you have new people, you can direct them to the person who's able to engage with conversations uh, in the most detailed way. Additionally, these people vibe well, but also are good at talking to other types of people. They have strong beliefs that are weakly held. What do they do? At the beginning of the semester, they host some open events where people can learn kind of what EA is and whether it seems like something they might be into. And even if people decide that EA isn't for them, they leave these events thinking, well, at least those organizers seem pretty humble and nice, and I'd work with them in the future if I had to. And then these organizers at these events are paying attention to who's asking questions and who's really engaging with the material and give them some options to get more and more involved in the group, such as through discussions or dinners and they're introduced to people who are taking these ideas really seriously and can help facilitate that for them. These people might become group organizers themselves or might not and instead might just work on skilling up, building their own aptitudes or trying out their own projects. All of these additional opportunities are framed around being truth-seeking and really trying to figure out what you believe about these questions rather than trying to push people down a funnel into particular ideas. I want people in the group to be thinking really carefully about what they believe, how they can do good with their careers, and that might mean eventually going into direct work, or it might mean going and skilling up and going into PhD programs and building lots of skills that will be useful for the movement in the long run. All right, before ending, I do wanna note some ways I could be wrong here. Um, I think this list could just be a lot longer, honestly, too. So we can go into some of those. I think one thing I'm like, kind of uncertain about is I might be overestimating the stickiness of first impressions. There is like, some evidence towards idea inoculation where people hear about an idea in one setting and then are not going to be as receptive to that idea in other settings because of that first experience. And I think we have some anecdotal evidence here. But if this weren't as true, then I'd be less worried about groups that are kind of like, meh. Um, Another thing is I might be wrong about what EI needs. I think a lot of these claims in this talk are based off of this idea that what EI needs is talented people who are able to spot blind spots in what we're doing and think carefully about ideas and really contribute in those ways. I think there's a plausible world where we actually just need all hands on deck on a specific cause area, or maybe we're just not as talent-constrained and should instead have people focusing on increasing donations or et cetera. One thing that I've been thinking about quite a bit lately is maybe social communities aren't the right approach. I honestly feel like pretty confident that universities are the place where I feel confident about social communities being important, but I do think, as we've seen, there can be problems with combining social and professional networks. And something that I'm kind of considering is, it's pretty hard to be genuinely earnest and to have intentions of kind of wanting people to work on the things that you think are important. I do think there is a way of doing this. I think, for instance, I do want people working on these things, but I also want the people who are working on these things to be the type of people who figured that out for themselves and I just expose them to these ideas and I can earnestly share how I feel about it without trying to convince them of it. So these are some of the things in ways I can be wrong, but there are additional ones, and I'm sure Sydney uh, might point out some too in our Q&A after. So just as a recap, I think there are these default pitfalls that groups fall into, such as being overly zealous, overly open, or overly exclusionary. I think that first impressions are quite sticky, and cultural norms of your group are quite important, for your group and the people in your group then make up the EA community. So it's important for the community as a whole. I think that we might turn off the types of people that we need, but I am still excited about university groups. And I'm excited about this project that we're working on and trying to do these really ambitious things and make the world a much better place. Thank you.
0: If you have any questions, you can put them in Swapcard. We're going to move into the Q&A section. All right. Uh, One question in Swapcard says, how should we approach broad outreach without becoming open or zealous, as the percentage
1: of EA-aligned people at my university is fairly small? Yeah. I think this depends on what you mean by broad outreach. yeah, assuming that you do like know what you're talking about and using high-fidelity resources, etc., like there are ways of just getting those out there to people um, that are not trying to be salesy. It's just like, here's a thing that you could do, um, and providing those opportunities, like talks, and um, you know, whether you have an intro fellowship or something like that. So, I, yeah, I just like don't think these are intention. I also think like. Yeah, EA is just a certain thing and it's like okay if it's not that big um at your university.
0: And to follow up on that question, often I think people are like my school is fairly small. There's like we're like, you know, two people besides myself who went to the EA events last semester. If I try to not be so open or so zealous, there's going to be hardly anyone coming to events or hardly anyone in the intro fellowship. Yeah. What would you recommend to someone like who has yeah, to do
1: like that? Yeah, yeah. I think something crazy here is just, like, some of the best groups are just, like, these really small groups of friends who are diving into these problems really intensely. Um, I think, yeah, it's often talked about this, like, original Stanford EA group where it was, was it, like, six or so people? I don't know, it's a like, fairly small group of people, but they spent a lot of time diving into all these questions um, and didn't do as much outreach, which did mean that the group wasn't as sustainable, but the outcomes of that particular group are just like pretty crazy. They're all, like, most of them are doing quite impactful things right now that I'm excited about. And like yeah, you just can make a lot of progress with a small group.
0: Uh, Another question from the chat. To what extent do you think your concerns apply to promoting specific nonprofits or organizations as opposed to the movement as a whole?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel a bit confused about this right now. I think one thing is, like... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd also be curious if you want to jump in on this one, Sydney, because I think you have some takes here. But overall, I think that... There's like different things that you're doing, and you should probably choose which one you're doing. Like, if you want to be the group that is like promoting EA ideas and like really diving into thinking about things, I think that's going to look really different than just kind of a like recruiting group. I also think that like different EA orgs have like orders of magnitude differences in impact, and like something that I am worried about is people just kind of funneling people into these orgs without questioning it. I think like the EA movement as a whole has seen some things such as like funneling lots of people into DeepMind or OpenAI, and we're like not sure that that's good. Um, So I think I have some worries about that. Uh, But I do think like there are lots of orgs that are doing good. Yeah. You can yeah go for it.
0: Not sure that's good. In my opinion, capabilities at an org like that, it's very unclear the sign. But if I had to guess, I would say it is extremely bad, and I would much rather people did anything else almost literally, not quite. Yeah, I'm
1: pretty worried about people going into capability stuff. Um, I like to think that, like, yeah, people are like, ah, oh, you should go do safety, but I do think, yeah, like, people misinterpret that as like, I'm working on safety. <laughs> Just wanted to be unambiguous.
0: Yeah. There. And I, there are exceptions to the, whatever. There are many exceptions, and sometimes people doing capabilities roles do really good stuff. Um, but, uh, okay. Do you actually want me to weigh in? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I personally feel a lot better about trying to do the broader outreach when you have a very specific ask, like donate to this nonprofit or take the Giving What We Can pledge or work at this organization. Um, You want to be careful that that ask is actually good. You know, I don't know what organizations you're thinking of, but I think that. It's a lot easier to make sure a specific ask like that doesn't get lost in translation. Uh, EA is a very complicated thing where people are trying to think about really hard questions, and so epistemics are really important. Take the giving what we can pledge is a much more simple thing where you just have to like click a button. Um, and so I feel better about people being a little less careful in yeah. those cases. Yeah.
1: yeah, I do wanna add, I think like, a question I sometimes get is like, yeah, what should university groups be focusing on, and like, what should we be delegating to like, university group organizers who are new and young and like, learning a bunch? Um, and I do think that like, broad outreach, like top of the funnel stuff is kind of just better done by the professionals. Like, there's other means of people learning about EA, um, and I'm like, a bit more confident that they'll do a better job and yeah, I think some of the b- broad outreach I did when I started was like bad. So I expect that to generalize a bit.
0: I also feel many of the things I did when I started were very bad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they still are. Cool. Uh, we have another question. IMO, many first year students who just went through the college admissions rat race are way more impressionable and less likely to think for themselves, but some of them might end up being great later. If you don't get them in their first year, they'll probably commit to other things and you'll never see them again. How do you deal with this?
1: Yeah, I think this is a really good question. Like, to be honest, like, I do think Think in as much as like social communities are good in EA, um, which at least like right now I do think is true at universities, like your social community in college is pretty random. Like a lot of times you just become friends with the person you were randomly assigned to be a roommate with. Um, and so when you are like doing outreach, like doing this early on. Is like a way of getting people involved I think the really big thing here is like providing off-ramps or like exit opportunities where like people can leave and don't feel like pressured to stay Um, so I think there is this like combination factor of just like logistics of running a student group where people like you know people are in demand and there's lots of competition for people's time Um, that makes me like Be very pro, like doing early outreach, but like also giving off ramps. Yeah. Hmm.
0: There's another question. How would you recommend overly open Otis respond to his newly excited classmate who wants to explore a more personal cause area without alienating him?
1: Yeah, I think this is a great question. Um, I think that there are ways of, like, honestly, like, one heuristic is just like anytime something like this happens, it's probably better to have it in a one-on-one conversation than like larger. Um, and then in a one-on-one conversation, you can really like ask them, like, provide sympathy. Like, I don't actually think like EA should be people's entire lives. Like you are a human, you're allowed to be like partial in certain things and should have parts of your life that are partial. and um, but I do think there is a way of talking about EI where it's like, but in the time where we're spending on EI, I want it to be thinking really carefully about what impartially we should do. Um, a lot of this is really situationally difficult, but you can really try to like ask the person, like, what is it about the situation that they're upset about? Um, is it like this specific thing that they're personally affected by, or is it the fact that like? People are affected by bad things, and like suffering happens. And at what part does that generalize? Because um, I think there are situations where sometimes people come into EA and like have a particular thing they're attached to, but then do realize like they're only attached to it in as much as it's causing like suffering in the world. Um, and then there's some situations where they're just like, yeah, but I just like actually think that yeah, you know, partiality is okay. And in that situation, I'm like cool, I'm really excited about you doing this, but like probably with a different group, um, because groups should have specialties, and ours isn't that. Um, I'm going to ask a question,
0: uh, one of my questions. What do you think the main point of a university group is? Does most of the value come from, like, the organizers learning more? Does most of the value come from finding a few people or from getting a bunch of people to take certain actions? Is this actions people take in, like is this things that people do in the university group or is this things people will do later down the line? Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, so we'll flag like, I think I'm like a bit uncertain about things Uh, me and Sydney the other day were trying to figure out like how much of a talent bottleneck there actually is, in particular at like object-level uh, long-termist orgs, which could have implications here. But um, I do think most of the impact happens further on in your career. Um, like just kind of statistically, if I'm looking at university groups, the majority of the impact actually comes from the organizers themselves like because these are the people who are taking it really seriously and then go on to do effective careers. And their time organizing was kind of instrumental in that they were learning lots and like skilling up in certain things and meeting lots of people with interesting takes at events like this that help influence them and what they decide to do. And a lot of times this is actually just where most of the value comes from rather than like the people who they like, introduce to EA who think that the ideas are kind of cool but don't take like really significant action um, is where I currently stand on that. A okay. um, question from the chat.
0: How do you suggest to measure the success of university groups? And maybe a related question, uh, what is UGAP doing to prevent false or negative incentives to community builders?
1: Nice, yeah. Um, yeah, I have this. like. So we used to have this like HEA metric, the highly engaged EA metric, which I think is just like a bad name for what it was trying to be, because like that makes it seem like you should really just optimize for people who are going to be highly engaged no matter what, um, which leads to things like being overly zealous, et cetera. Um, I think I have like a theory of change chart where I have tatsies, which is like, <laughs> talented altruistic truth-seeking individuals taking significant action it doesn't roll off the tongue as much <laughs> but um at least for me these are the types of people i want to like optimize for and it's like the number of those that are taking like serious significant action um, rather than sheer numbers and then like yeah i think we try to really like emphasize this in gap and like not award people for like Saying they have like large numbers of these people. Um, in fact, like, yeah, when we're doing impact analysis of Ugap, we're um, we ask people like how many. We still use kind of the highly engaged EA metric, but link to the definition, which is a bit more detailed. And oftentimes, like if someone says that they have like seven, I'm like, oh, they probably have like zero, because <laughs> um, I think it's like anti-correlated, um, unless it's like a pretty established big group. Um, yeah, I think like just like metrics in your group is quite hard. But if you think that impact is heavy-tailed, it's quite likely that most of your impact as a group can come from just like one or two individuals, um, which is quite challenging.
0: Um, one question in the chat says, do you have any good tips on passing the group to new organizers? There's quite a lot of risk of groups not being sustainable when the main organizers pivot to other activities, and I often struggle for thinking of good solutions for that.
1: Yeah, man, if you're a senior, you just shouldn't be organizing your group, is my claim, in um, as much as there is someone who can take it over. So I think actually like one interesting value of UGAP is, like, if you are a university group organizer and you just like don't actually have anyone who's like really gets EA and like is going to be a good organizer not falling into these pitfalls, like you could just let the group die because it's pretty easy to start back up a group when there is a better person. Um but in as much as you do have people, um I think it's just like, yeah. My advice I usually get people is like, start really, really early. Like literally, as soon as you become an organizer, just be like thinking about who could take over for you, giving them opportunities to uh, get involved and, yeah, do work themselves. Like, explicitly telling them really early on that you think that they would do a good job, like leading the group and how they feel about that, giving them lots of opportunities to learn more and advancement. Hand over documents of how to do things for your group. There's a lot of like institutional memory things that I think are really important that groups just kind of neglect because you're so busy and not thinking about that in the future. And then yeah, just like be a senior advisor and let them run the group if you can, because then that way the group will like run after you leave. Um, yeah. I also like sorry. This is like a meta point, but I'm just like noting. I feel like and like the Q and A setup just makes it sound like I'm like much more confident in all these takes, and I like have good advice for you guys that I like. I don't know. I'm like answering questions, like I'm just like a person who knows all the answers, and I just like am not. Um, these are like my best guesses right now. I think like I don't know. I'm pretty excited for like the office hours time after this, where we could actually get into like group discussions, because I'm pretty curious like your takes on all of these things, especially if you're on the ground right now. Yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> what are your thoughts about the ratio of social events to reading groups, slash projects, slash academic, slash intellectual stuff? Is this a pitfall you see groups falling into?
1: Uh, could you say the start of that one again?
0: What are your thoughts about the ratio of social events to reading groups to projects to academic to intellectual stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, I think also in line with my meta comment, if you want to jump in on this too, I'd be excited for that. Um, but yeah, I think like social stuff is actually just like really underrated. Like, yeah, if you're spending a lot of time on these things, it makes such a big difference. Like doing that with people that you really like and care about, and like. I think people kind of underestimate how much just like spending time with people can like form these deeper connections. Where, you know, we're trying to do like really hard things and figure out really hard questions and like figure out what to do with our lives. And it's really nice having friends who can like help support you through that. And I think that's like quite valuable. Also, like in as much as you think running the group is like a good thing, people who are friends are going to be like more motivated to do this. Um, and then, yeah. But I do probably think like these like intellectual exercises and stuff are like really important for like the health of the group. And I kind of just want like you to do these things with the group of friends. I don't know if this is exactly. It's also like really hard to like say on average because groups look really really different, especially groups of different ages and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you want to weigh in on that? Happy to if you think it'd be useful. Um. I think that. There's, I wanna say something like, think about what you would be excited to do and what events you're actually interested in. If there is a project that you think would help you learn a lot and would be really fun to do, go do it. I think sometimes groups feel pressure to like, oh, we gotta have a projects thing because we need to be doing more things. And if you're not excited about doing something, I wouldn't do it. Um, I would ask what things will help you, the organizer, learn the most. My philosophy is like, the group should mostly be a tool for you, the organizer, to get stronger, and if it's not doing that, you shouldn't run it. Um, I think that often reading is the best thing. Like Reading groups are pretty good places for people to actually get traction um, in a way where sometimes when people try to do projects, they just kind of flounder, uh, I think, People often do academic things for like credibility, and this gets a bit weird. I think mostly you should just be like, what will help me learn the most stuff? And also do social things if that seems exciting to you. Um, right. Could it make sense to have a less exclusionary group to on-ramp people to EA ideas more gradually, e.g. measuring effectiveness of a charity without judging that it is less effective? Says someone in
1: the chat. What was the last part of that?
0: Uh, eg, measuring effectiveness of a charity without judging that it is less effective. Like you're like we're the the like measurement group. We're really into measuring how effective charities are. We don't make claims that you should like give to the charity that does the best on the measures. We just mm. really like measuring things. And then next door you have the like effectiveness group, and we're like, yeah, we we're like one step further. We give to the like most effective charities, and then one step, you know.
1: Oh, interesting. Maybe my read. Like, it could be interesting. I haven't thought about this very much. I do think it's like, I don't know, a a core principle of like EA is just like the fact that we're constantly in triage and like any action that we take is like saying that we think it's more important than this other action we could take. And like, I just think that's like quite important. But like doing exercises like evaluating charities seems good. I don't really know how you like do this without putting any claim on which one's better. But, yeah, I don't know, what do you think, Sydney?
0: Oh man, I'm strongly against this. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like people often do a like bait and switch thing where you start with, hey, we just like giving to better charities, look at these bed nets, and then they're like, and also animals, and also the far future. and like, they try to make things really palatable at the beginning and just like slowly boil the lobster or whatever. Uh, and I think, one, it comes across to people as a bit dishonest. It is a bit dishonest. Like, you're like, I'm running the, in this example, the like charity measuring group. I don't know. We're not here to to get you to to give to the most effective charities. We just measure them. And then you're like secretly motivated by wanting them to give to the most effective charities and something here can get a bit wonky. I think that it's, I'm, I don't expect the broader group to get that many more people. I think that I'm really interested in people who can think through ideas and notice when their ideas are wrong, even when the new ideas are very in very stark contrast to their old ideas. Um, not in people who have to be like corralled into the direction you want them to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I was mostly thinking about this in terms of like, mm, like really diving into effectiveness of charities, like. Seems like a cool thing I want more people doing. But I think if yeah. you're like, oh, if the intention that then they will like join this other group and then this other group, that feels like less of the earnest thing. I do think I'll push back a little bit on this, like, like while I think we shouldn't be doing like bait and switch type things, I do think there is just like a true thing where like a lot of things that EA cares about are really weird. And it's really easy if you've never like experienced these ideas before to be like really dismissive of these ideas. So like I think the framing that I often use here is like, I want people to be in a place where they're like, open to hearing other types of ideas. So I think that like, yeah, from the start, like being kind of clear, like, here's like the breadth of the types of things that we do. But like, I don't know, I'm kind of pro the like fellowship starting off with like, Things that more people can get behind, and as much as they like, make people in more of a mind space to investigate other weirder things.
0: All right, another question from the chat: pros and cons of separating community between long-termism and near-termism.
1: Yeah, I think this is such a good question right now. I'm like pretty confused about it. Um, yeah. I'd be also curious your take on this. Maybe we can go back on that one. But, like, I just, like, really love, like, EA being impartial and, like, this idea that we're trying to figure out what is good to do. Um, I also like worldview diversification and, like, yeah. I think it probably makes sense in terms of, like, professional networks and, like, budgets and things for these to be separate because they are just like these like worldview differences. So I think there's probably like more room for differences here than there is currently. But I would be like kind of sad if we completely lost the like EA thing. What do you think? I love the EA thing. I
0: love that there's like a group of people trying to figure out what is best to do. I don't think the EA thing lends itself to trying to grow or trying to get people to take pledges or go vegan or any of that. I think. The EA thing should really focus on individuals trying to figure out for themselves what's best to do and actually help other people think through what might be best to do, not convince them that your thing that's best to do is what's best for them to do. I think uh, if you think about like uh, global health and development, it makes sense for global health and development to want to be pretty frugal and to not spend that much money because money can go towards malaria nets. and so. There should be like, maybe a global health and development group that is pretty frugal and doesn't have big budgets for fancy retreats. And I think it makes sense for like, AI alignment groups to be less frugal because it's much harder to funnel money into that. Um, and maybe they should have big retreats and it gets a little weird when you, you smush all these together. I think that animal welfare should probably want to grow because the more people you can have uh, eating less meat, the better. Um, I don't think that biosecurity should want to grow because, man, the more people you have thinking about pandemics, the worse. Uh, And so it feels a little bit weird that all these things are, are tied together, and I think that a lot of the community building and a lot of the retreats and a lot of the infrastructure should be cause area specific, but I really like EA and think that that should continue as like a small thing that doesn't try to push, very hard on things other than figuring stuff out.
1: Yeah, I think some kind of model we've been talking about is like you have like an EA group, which is the like kind of cause prioritization <laughs> group, and like you're really trying to figure out what you think about these different things. And then you have these other groups that are more cause specific that maybe people go into. I think like one thing I'm worried about is like a cool thing about EA right now is people switch between like worldviews and cause areas and stuff. Um, like. I don't know. I'm like pretty compelled by long-termism right now, but it also took me like two years of like arguing with people. Um, and I think that if I were like brought into a group, I did like one intro fellowship, and then I decided that like global health and development was the thing I wanted to like specialize in. I just like never would have been in the space of like engaging with these other arguments that I at least like personally now think are compelling. Um, yeah. Right. We got another. Probably time for
0: one more question. Uh, from the chat, various people have raised claims that EAs say long termism when they really mean X risk. Not much seems to have actually changed. People are still saying long termist groups, but do they really mean Parfit, Greaves, and McCaskill, or do they
1: mean AI and bio? Depends on what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, if they're a group and they're like, ah, oh, we're going to read papers by those people, that feels pretty long termist. Um, Oh, yeah, that seems like quite plausible. They should just be marketed as X-risk groups. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it seems bad, like, um, yeah, if people's perception of long-termism is, like, not accurate and is just, like, people show up and they're like, oh, this is, like, only X-risk. That doesn't feel like the same thing. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. I think that's all the questions that we've got and about all the time that we have. All right. Thank Thank you you so much, Jessica.